the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. Welcome to episode 57 of Magic Markets. This is our last one for 2021. So this is the one that will see you through the festive season in case you uh, feel like listening to us on your holiday, which we, we hope you'll find some time for. Mo, welcome to our last show of the year. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Ghost. It's always so much fun doing these. And I guess your year-end rap shows are always lots of fun as well because we kind of take stock. How's the year gone? Uh, we also like sharing that with you as our as our listeners because we've always had very frank and honest conversations and you're going to pick up some of the themes that we've spoken about you know many many episodes ago uh, and see how those go so ghost really great and uh, you know hope someone's listening to this whether you're on the beach or running out to get your kids something at the stores uh, and yeah let's let's uh, let's jump right in yeah so mo what we said we'd do tonight is we would reflect on some winners and losers in both of our individual personal portfolios which is always fun um, whenever we buy stocks we hope they will be winners but everyone who has played in the markets will be well aware that it doesn't always work out that way so which one shall we start with shall we go with the winners or the or the losers first <laughs> let's let's start off with the losers first and then we can go into the winners because I'd like to end on a high note. Get them out the way. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. So I think my oh, she's I had two major losers, so I'll do one first. So the first one was gold. Uh I bought gold when I had COVID in December last year. Well documented, bad life choice. Sold Sassol, very embarrassing, and bought gold. Really, there's no it's hard to imagine a worse trade than that, but don't trade when you have COVID and you're stressed and just don't do it. Anyway, point is, gold didn't work out as planned. This shiny yellow metal that you quite like, Mo, is supposed to do well when there's inflation. And uh, this year there was inflation, and it doesn't really seem to be that transitory, so I think I may have been right on that. Doesn't matter, though, because gold is still hurting me. So that's painful. Um, one of my gold shares has done very well, which is Goldfields. Well, not very well, but it's up 15%, which is uh, phenomenal compared to the others. I think DRD is my worst. And it's these very highly leveraged plays. And actually, I recall we once talked about gold and you said to me, you prefer to just own the metal because obviously the mining companies come with a whole host of operating risks. Um, I took the approach of buying the mining companies because it gives leveraged exposure. And, you know, sometimes I like to just be the moth drawn to the flame. I think I've noticed this about myself. I wish I'd only picked gold fields, but that certainly didn't happen. Uh, at one point I trimmed the position, but I am still holding a pretty hefty amount going into 2022. I think there's still going to be more inflation. And honestly, who knows? I've, co I've concluded that gold just does its own thing and I'll just go along for the ride. Uh, <laughs> so that's my gold story. Mo, what's your first uh, loser story? Yeah, I, I want to almost, before I go into my, my losers, because there's a long list. <laughs> uh, they're all kind of themed, so that's fine. And, and the only reason there's a long list is I'm being honest about them, right? But you know, let's, on gold, 
you know, yes, we did touch on gold. We spoke about it on the show. Uh, and, and for me, gold is that doomsday hedge. You know, so it's a part of the portfolio. It's a part that you, you, you throw in there and then you leave alone. Yes, it has underperformed, even in dollar terms. You know, it's really not been the great inflation trade. Um, so I kind of rode that with you. But position sizing there for me helps, as well as the fact that I didn't take the leveraged play. Um, the oil trade, interestingly enough, uh, ended up being one of my, I wouldn't even say losers in that, Initially, it wasn't a Sassel trade. Initially, uh, I was invested in ExxonMobil. And I rode some of that up. Uh, my mistake there is that I really didn't see oil pushing as high as it really eventually got. And so I cut that position a little too early. And so that's my bad news story. Uh, in fact, I'm on, a, I'm on a little side WhatsApp group with some, some friends who run an investment club as well. And ironically, one, you, you get one long and one short that you set at the start of the year and you cannot change it. Uh, I've done terribly. And that's because one of my shorts was Cecil. So we're in the same boat there. It was a paper trade rather than a real trade, uh, but still certainly on a macro basis, you know, the bad news. I think goes going into specifics around some of my losses uh, was that they all seem to be themed. And one of the big themes that came through this year, and I'm still riding some of these losses, was China. You know, China came through at the start of the year. China was still strong. There was a China and a, a tech narrative that was still reasonably strong, reasonably bullish. Uh, and that really unraveled quite quickly, given some of the stuff that we've seen in China around the VIE structures, the more uh, the regulatory changes that have hit quite hard. So I've taken some big smacks in my Chinese exposures, specific stocks there. I mean, one I, I remember specifically because, again, we discussed it on the show was a Chinese gaming stock called Huya. Uh, which is also incidentally largely owned by Tencent. And you made the comment saying, who here sounds like that sound when you're busy throwing up <laughs> because your returns are yeah. terrible. And ironically, who here was a stock I made decent money on. I got it at around, I think it was around the 20s. I rode it up to the mid 30s, uh, sold out. And then when it fell back into the 20s, I got in because I liked the gaming narrative and the China narrative. That was the macro trade. And I put it back on, and lo and behold, that stock's down at around seven bucks right now. So that's been painful. Again, position sizing has helped. It's in the portfolio because it's small and trivial, and now it's kind of just optionality on the fringes. Uh, Alibaba, Ghost, I know you have exposure there. I think we rode that one down, not from the 300s. I, I was certainly in and around the low 200s, but that's still a big smack. That's still roughly, uh, what, a 40% decline from where I was in on that stock. Uh, and that was, I guess, the China theme that really hurt me quite a bit in some of the some of the positions of the portfolio. You, you have anything else to add there, Ghost? Yeah, yeah. So China was one of mine. So the dip that just keeps on dipping, right? So I bought some MSCI China in my tax-free savings at what I was very convinced now was the bottom. But nope, I'm down 6% in that. So I don't know where the bottom is. I don't think anyone knows where the bottom is. And yes, Alibaba, definitely the shocker. Talk about position sizing. You know, the nice thing with Alibaba is it's, it's a self-sizing position because it gets so small so quickly that if you just pretend that the first loss never happened, then you look at your portfolio and you go, oh, my exposure to Alibaba is probably appropriate now because it's hemorrhaged, you know, in my case, 47%. And that's on a blended in price. I'd already bought the dip once to get to that point. So yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to see silver linings in this whole China story. I'm also sometimes struggling to see what the lessons learned from it were. It's just like, is China investable? It's one of those discussions because on paper, you know, Alibaba is the Amazon of the Far East. Like apart from the government interference and everything else, it really should not be 47% down in my portfolio. And yet 
here we are. So that's uh, that's the joy of the markets. And that, by the way, is why I do not run a portfolio that has a lot or rather a few high conviction trades because you can be as high conviction as you like. But if you are run, it can hurt so badly. So I rather have a portfolio of lots of smaller positions. And, and then when I get one run, you know, it's okay. Mrs. Ghost isn't ready to run away. Uh, Mo, what's your what's your next loss theme? Yeah, so the next theme for me, it's it's almost one that I I do I know what the lesson is. You know, on on China we don't really know the lesson. I'm still trying to digest: is China investable? How is China investable? Uh, I'm still reasonably comfortable with that exposure. But the the other one that caused a lot of soul searching for me earlier on this year was that right at the start of the year there was a lot of hype around, you know, the tech stuff, the high growth stuff. Call it the Kathy Wood FOMO trade, right? We're going to call it that because I know, Ghost, you were very vocal about it. But it was really that. It was the Kathy Wood FOMO stage. And I had exposures to a whole bunch of stuff that I will honestly say. So, again, let's rewind. For listeners not familiar or if you've just discovered us, I run a couple of portfolios. So, my core portfolio is the boomer stuff. It's boring. It's stable. And ironically, that portfolio has done really well. We'll get into the winners a little bit later on. But then with a smaller portion of my portfolio, I run both a trading kind of portfolio. It's the more higher frequency, exciting stuff that goes in there. And then there's the high growth speculative stuff. And that's where the Kathy Wood FOMO stuff went. And I found myself holding a whole assortment of stuff that, like Mark, I think it is Mark Minervia, right, Ghost, that you you were trolling on on, on, so, oh, Min- on, Minervini. on social media. Minervini. But if you, you don't and, need to know his name because he doesn't know what the stock does. So yes, and, and, and th- that, that was me on some of these stocks. Is I... The name sounded fancy. I knew it was in a macro sector that I liked, which was maybe biotech. And so I went and I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to have this in the portfolio. And lo and behold, that was good up until about Feb of this year. So two months. Yay. Thereafter, started coming under some massive, massive pressure. So I, I took some of the early losses there. And the lesson for me was it caused some soul searching. I cut a lot of the positions, not all, but I cut a lot of the positions. I'll give you an example. So stocks like Illumina or Insight, I have no idea what they do, right? There were some winners, like some Fulgent, for example. They're in, 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 in testing and, uh, and gene sequencing. But a lot of them, I just didn't know what they were. And eventually I said, cut these, take the loss. You know, they say your first loss is your best loss. Take the loss. That portfolio was down properly. But it would have been a lot uglier had I held on to that. I'd be down in excess of 20, maybe 30%, on some of them more than 50% from where we were at the start of the year. So that's the other themed play was biotech slash tech slash FOMO Kathy Wood trade. I rather stick to my knitting. I went back to basics, invest in stuff I understand. Uh, and yes, you can add spice and flavor, but you don't have to go for the ghost peppers in your portfolio. Hey, the ghost paper is not a not a bad reference. I'm, I'm going to start calling you Mo Minavini now, actually, with that portfolio, because you don't know what's going on there. Just buy a few momentum, putting the Mo in momentum. Um, but listen, I mean, those those spec portfolios, when they work, they work. When they don't work, they're nasty. So well done on at least getting out the way of a few of them. Uh, my third one, which irritates me, is also a tech company, and that's Corsair. And we spoke about it on Magic Markets previously. So I'm down around 19% in that. And the issue there isn't the valuation, because actually, among gaming stocks, it's valued very reasonably. The problem isn't demand for the products either. The problem is supply chains. It's hurting the company's margins, and frankly, it's hurting its ability to fulfill orders. So because it's a relatively sort of recent listing, there's no... There's no like consolidated base in the share price chart. It's just doof down. And where the bottom is, you know, we'll wait and see. So I'm tired of catching 
falling knives. I've learned a lot in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. So I'm just letting it drop now until I see it actually properly form a bottom and consolidate somewhere. I don't care where. And then I will go back to it, have a proper look at my investment thesis again, which I suspect will hold long term. I like gaming. It's a good hardware business and it's not valued stupidly. And when it kind of hits that base, then I may well just buy some more. It was a small position. So I sort of took a lot of the learnings from some of the other pain and applied it to that Corsair position and it, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, on that, and, and just to maybe round off the loser section here, right? In, in gaming, my gaming stock that hurt quite a bit was Activision Blizzard. So I've had Activision. Uh, they've had some corporate scandals and, you know, the thing just broke down. I was maybe too lazy to sell it. Uh, and the lesson for me in all of this is that you might get your macro narrative right, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get your stock selection right. And that's why you've got to do what we do in Magic Markets Premium, effectively, the top down and the bottom up to say, am I buying a quality company? But I, I want to segue away from that, Ghost, and I want, to, I want to move in the interest of time, kind of halfway through the show, let's move to some of the winners. Uh, and I'm going to maybe kick off and then we'll, we'll come across to you is that I want to kick off because, like I say, there's the boring part of my portfolio, the boomer part, and that's the obvious trades. So that's the, the likes of a Microsoft. You know, that's done really well. We've covered it in Magic Markets Premium as well. We like the investment thesis on Microsoft. Apple's done really well. In fact, on a lot of these, maybe my lesson is that Maybe don't trim your winners. You know, I, I had that. I had a company called Mongo Database, right? And they did phenomenally well. And I cut my position at the start of the year. And from there to now, the stock's up. I think it's another 40 or 50%. So I haven't yet landed on, do you, I know you cut your losers, right? You just stem the bleeding. But what do you do with your winners, especially when they get too large in the portfolio? Like something like a Mongo got to, uh, in, in the one portfolio, got to around 15% of the portfolio. That's a bit large. And so I trimmed that back, and yet it's continued to run. So, you know, that's some of the winners on that side of the portfolio. We'll get into some of the other stocks that I've traded in, in and out of as well. But sectorally, what's also worked is not just big tech, but real estate. And there's another stock that I've done really well off, which is Prologis, which is industrial real estate. Uh, I, I've had a, 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 another company here called WPT Industrial that did really well. Now it's been taken out and swallowed by a larger group. There's Dream Industrial REIT, so you can get a portfolio exposure up here as well. And that sector as a whole, real estate, has done phenomenally well. Uh, those have been some of my, my winners. But Ghost, what, what about you? Well done on catching the uh, the industrial property chain. Oh, that's a win. So Steinhoff is my recent winner. And I say recent because at one point I was so far in the red that Mrs. Ghost was starting to take an interest in my portfolio. And she only does that when it's in bad shape. So uh, luckily it's gone the other way now. It was literally an options trade on Steinhoff. It's like you lose everything or you make multiples of your money. And they've managed to get through this like liquidation threat from the tacky town owners. So we're now into multiples of money potential i like to think 80 percent up thus far and, and and hopefully it just keeps going and then a real company that isn't an option value it's actually got proper assets and a, and a real balance sheet is uh, transaction capital it's been great it's a favorite of mine i've written about it multiple times i'm up 190 percent in that uh dropped recently then consolidated and then came back because good things bounce back um i love the we buy cars element to the business amazing return on capital they've just opened the dome as a mega showroom and then the other businesses in there are great sa taxi and the risk services side nothing wrong with that that's definitely a compounder in my portfolio to your point will i ever trim that no i don't think so because i just believe so strongly in that management team i want them to have some of my money and i want them to keep doing what they do uh, then another one that's been a huge winner for me is ford 
So I'm up 300%, which is magnificent. Uh, I really wish it was a much bigger position, although we obviously always wish that about our winners. Uh, unfortunately, the position size is just not big enough at all. And it's because it was such a spec play middle of last year when I bought this thing. I mean, Ford's balance sheet, it was like really in trouble, right? And no one knew what was going to happen with the pandemic. So spec play, option value, it worked. Always nice when that happens. And we've covered that in a recent Magic Markets premium show. We've talked about Ford in detail. Great EV strategy, really interesting business. And then a couple of honorable mentions quickly to finish up from my side. NVIDIA, I'm up 200%. Alphabet, 111. AMD, 178. So the sort of gaming graphics side's been great. And then good old Goldman Sachs, up 96%. Almost doubled my money there. So overall, it's been, it's been great. I mean, look, let's call a spade a spade. It was hard not to make money last year. And those percentage returns are since I bought... Um, last year in the in the real depths of the pain but overall my portfolio has done okay this year I'm happy it's pretty much beaten the market which is is really all you can hope for um, and yeah some mistakes for sure but uh, that's that's part of the game there's no ways that everything always goes up despite what uh, some Twitter accounts would have you believe on magic markets we focus on transparency and uh, we are very honest about our mistakes and we hope to learn from them and we hope to help others learn from them yeah, absolutely. I mean, goes goes from my side. I guess some of the thematic wins was healthcare. And again, you know, listeners of the show, long-time listeners of the show will know we've spoken about Moderna and Pfizer. And, and early on, you know, those were some of the themes I was playing on the back of pandemic. Said, you know, you there, there will be ways to make money out of it. I, I was lucky with Moderna. You know, I think I was one of the few people who knew what Moderna was early on in the cycle. A lot of people still don't know, or now you know Moderna. But, you know, the stock was trading down at around $100, which is when I got in. And I rode that hard. And, and you know, that got up to around the 300-odd mark. Uh, where I exited. And I think we spoke about that on the show as well. Uh, and again, our listeners who have listened to literally every single show will, will know it's there. And I exited around 300 and that stock continued to go up to around 500. So again, like I said, I haven't landed on do you trim your winners or don't you trim your winners. Subsequent to that, it's actually come down quite a bit. It's come down from 500. It's back in the upper 200s again. Uh, another one of those in, I guess, the, the healthcare sector, which has really been a winner for me, was, was Pfizer. I got in in the 30s. Uh, heck, that stock I got out in the 40s and it's now in the 60s. So a similar theme there of trimming the winners maybe too early. Uh, and outside of healthcare, I mean, we've spoken about stuff on the free show. We have mentioned United Health or McKesson, for example. I think I mentioned McKesson in the same show that you had mentioned Corsair. And at that time, it was the upper 100s. It's now around 236. So not in the same stellar region of two or three times your money, but it's done reasonably well. Uh, so that was healthcare banks. You mentioned Goldman Sachs. They've done quite well. I've got a, a generalized bank's exposure up here in Canada. A lot of your banks are similar to your South African banks, reasonable dividend payers as well. So banks have been a good sector to be in. But one last one that I have to throw in there as we run into, into time, Ghost, it's outside of the healthcare sector, but it's been a nice one. And that's been Netflix. And Netflix has been a stock that I've traded uh, you know, I don't always keep a call long in Netflix simply because it bounces around a lot. 
And on the last trade, I think we discussed it. I got in in the, in the 500s, mid to upper 500s. Now, that stock pushed all the way up to the upper 600s. I exited there. This is an example. I mean, you're never going to get the tops and the bottoms absolutely perfect. But in this instance, it worked for me. I trimmed my position. Again, we did discuss that on, if not on the show, I definitely did discuss it with you as a sidebar. And that stock's gotten all the way back to the upper 500s again. And I've recently just added to that position. So, you know, that, those are some of the winners where I've been trading ranges. It's not all a buy and a hold in the trading portfolio. I identify some of the technical ranges. And again, we're including a lot of that detail and information in the Magic Markets Premium uh, offering to our subscribers. But yeah, Ghost, that's been, I guess, 2021 for me in a nutshell. Uh, if I look at calendar year, you know, some of the stocks have done badly. At Disney, for example, I've held through the year and it's had a bad calendar year. But if I have a look at it over a multi-year exposure, it's done really it's done really well compared to when I got in. And I've actually recently added to the position something that we've also discussed in Magic Markets Premium. Uh, the trend I missed was energy, like I say, kind of got some of the upside. But that's really been where a lot of the action has been that I, I've, I now have FOMO about. But I'm, this doesn't mean I'm going to be jumping in right now. Ghost, I guess that's it from my side in terms of my 2021 wrap, winners and losers. And the trick here, my last comment, I guess, for our listeners is that this is a marathon. It's not about, you know, the last lap between Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. I'm going to use an F1 reference here. This is about, it's not decided in the last race. It's about sustainability over a period of time, surviving into next year with your capital intact and compounding those returns in a sustainable manner over time. Although if I can pick up on that F1 reference, I would say the Chinese regulators are definitely the FIA here. You think you know what's going to happen and then... Ben, sorry for you. That's not how this is going to finish. So uh, that <laughs> that's that's been a story of the year. And from my side, I just want to remind our listeners that long term, if your portfolio is doing fifteen percent a year every year, sort of compound annual growth rate rather than every year, you are doing extremely well. You are probably almost certainly beating the market. You are creating real wealth, and that compounding effect will do magical things to your balance sheet over and above just paying off your debt or even worse, just having your money in a savings account and playing it safe. So, you know, there's going to be good years. There's going to be bad years. But overall, long term, I think we both have a lot of stuff in the portfolio we like. We've learned a lot from this year. We learn a lot every year. And it's been great to have our listeners along for the journey. And, and that's it really from both of us, I think, for 2021. Yeah, thanks to our listeners, guys. Thanks so much. It's been a phenomenal year at Magic Markets. If if you're a new listener, please go and check out Magic Markets Premium. If if you're a subscriber already, we thank you so much for joining us and being a subscriber because that's really where we're going to be putting in a lot of our effort. Uh, it's where we include our top-down, our bottoms-up analysis into actual global trading and investing ideas and, and how we view stocks, how we view the world. Uh, we're here to kind of learn alongside you, uh, and we, we're glad that you're here with us along for the journey. So I wish you all well over the festive season uh, and well going into 2022. That's it. Thanks, Mo. That concludes uh, this year. Thank you to our listeners. We'll see you in 2022. Remember to visit thefinancegoes.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.